Welcome to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast, episode 131. This is the weekday slash spotlight slash Jim on his own edition. And welcome. Welcome to the show. I want to tell you where you can find us around the internet. You can go to Twitter at WS Marvel Comics, where if you follow us, we'll follow you back, whether you like it or not. We also have a website, WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com, where we review almost every Marvel comic each and every week. They drop on Wednesdays, usually around 9 a.m. We may start having some things a little bit earlier, even as early as a Monday night, possibly, which is crazy. And you can also go if you want to support us or get a bunch of other shows or both. You can go over to Patreon.com slash WeirdScience, where you can get a bunch of shows Marvel, DC, indie comic stuff, non-comic stuff, a lot of stuff you should check out. Uh, One of the big things is the weekly spotlight where the Bad Butts pick two books from that week's books of Marvel offerings and end up having two of those as a spotlight that is Patreon only. And this week, with not a ton of books coming out, what they picked was Jessica Jones' Blind Spot number one and Revenge of the Cosmic Ghost Rider number two. So we ended up having a number one and a number two, just like in the bathroom. Oh, that's disgusting. But we're going to move on to a book that maybe is disgusting in its own right, because it's kind of a horror book. And this is one, the first one I'm going to talk about is one that came out a couple weeks ago. I'm going to tie in these two together, because they're both Ruins of Ravencroft issues. The first one being Ruins of Ravencroft Carnage, written by Frank Thierry. Art, modern day art by Angel Unzieta. Art flashback is Yua Villanova. I hope I'm pronouncing those correctly. Colors for all of that is Rachel Rosenberg, even though Rachel does a good job of changing the color palette, whether it's in the past or present. Does a really good job there. And letters by BC's Travis Lanham. And the little bit of blurb, since it is a number one, there isn't really a full recap, though. It is kind of a number one coming out of the whole absolute carnage deal. So it's not like this is just dropping out of nowhere, but a little bit of blurb. And then I'll read the solicit to kind of tie some other things into it. But after the events of absolute carnage, the Ravencroft Institute for the Criminally Insane has been decimated. Now is the time to reflect and rebuild. You see, that was dramatic pause there. That's what that's called. Uh, The solicit actually says... Carnage USA. And and when you do start, you end up getting John Jameson and Misty Knight. So that kind of ties into the deal of that and leading from a bunch of issues leading into this before Carnage, some of those prequel deals. In the aftermath of Absolute Carnage, the Marvel Universe still needs a place to treat and rehabilitate the criminally insane. 
and efforts to reconstruct Ravencroft are well underway. But Ravencroft is no ordinary facility. And untold secrets may yet be waiting to be unearthed in the destruction Carnage left after his attack on the facility. And this first issue, The Ruins of Ravencroft Carnage, what you're going to get here is fully a Ravencroft deal. If you expect to come into this and get a present day, like what Carnage is off in the Venom book on Venom Island. So we're not going to get that. But what we're going to do is get a history of the Ravencroft Institute and really how it also ties into Carnage, how it ties into Null, how it ties into all of this stuff. If you've been listening, especially if you're on the Patreon and some of the Patreon spotlights that we have that have dealt with the Null thing and the whole Venom stuff, uh, you will know that I am quickly getting sick of seeing Null jump into books. But this past week I said, when you end up having it in the Venom book, and that makes sense. You know, that that's where it should be. That's where you should have things with Carnage and Null and all those. It's when you end up Donny Kate starting a, a Thor book and you might get hints of it, though. That book, he stayed away for now. Um, but, you know, we, we get a lot of Null in a lot of books and I just want it kind of in the books that it deserves or should be. And I believe that those would be, say, Venom. This, it belongs. It, it, this is what this is about. And it is a horror comic though this just getting started and it does continue with others i'll be talking about rowan's of ram across Sabretooth next and so it does continue on through these books and in reality i haven't read Sabretooth yet i'm going to read it when i'm done this to record so i don't know exactly how it continues what's going to continue but this starts with the destruction and the rebuilding of Ravencroft institute and you have misty knight and john jameson they're kind of just standing there looking at it through the woods Talking about things like, man, it's it's kind of weird seeing the Ravencroft kind of being rebuilt and down. And here lies Ravencroft. You have Misty say. Now, John is like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of the one who helped kill this place. Talking about Ravencroft Institute as kind of a character. Like, yeah, I kind of ended up helped bury the body. Yeah, Carnage did hold the shovels, things like that. And Misty says, no, 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 don't worry about this. You were being controlled. He was pulling the strings. It was Carnage doing all this. Please don't get upset. Don't blame yourself. Well, then a limo shows up, and to my surprise, out comes Wilson Fisk, just looking huge. And I love I love the idea when you do have Fisk and you end up having him, say, get out of a car. I don't mind when he gets out of a car and you're like, physically, there's no way that he could fit back into that car. I mean, what, what is this, one of them clown cars that you, you could just everybody gets in because he's too big to fit back in? I love that because it's just... It is the just awesomely bigness of a Wilson Fisk. And I, I think that's funny because I'm telling you, looking at this, I don't know that he could fit back in. He, he ends up, it's like when, you know, I go to put jeans on. If I take those jeans off, there's a good chance I get back in them. So he ends up getting out and you have Misty there like, oh, what do we, oh, the pleasure of your piece of crap face here. You know, there's nobody giving out bribes here, Fisk. It's very much... Uh, if you're a Simpsons fan, it's very quick to the Mayor Quimby, you know, Chief Wiggum type back and forth. Like, oh, you know, the, I wonder if there's some sort of supermarket to be christened here, Fisk, like stuff like that. And he gets right back like, it is the mayor. And really, I go where I want. I don't need you to tell me about it. Plus, I came to check on how this Ravencroft thing's going on, even though I have a guy on the inside who's giving me info. Right, John? And it is that John has made a deal with Fisk that if he keeps him informed of what's going on around here, 
that he'll get his job back once the Institute is rebuilt. Something that kind of, you know, upsets Misty, surprises her at least. Um, but yeah, you even have the idea that Misty says, hey, Fisk, why are you doing here? Like, I wouldn't expect you here because you're the last person I would think that wants to get involved in even Ravencroft coming back at all. It's like, oh, you know, I dip my fingers in different things. Well, a guy comes out of this, this you know, destruction slash construction of Ravencroft. He has a book. It ends up being the pretty much the history of Ravencroft Institute, written by Ravencroft themselves, ancestors, things like that with the big story, and comes up, hey, Fisk, you know, I got this, Mayor Fisk, I got it. And that's where you shift off to this flashback, the past, to see how this all came about and how back way, way back, I'm talking this is back in the day, back in the day, where you have the early 1400s where people were settling there and kind of, you know, coming into contact with the Native Americans, things like that, where there is this area where Ravencroft Institute was built. Nobody does anything there. You got to keep away. It's trouble. Death follows. It is one of those where you even get the kind of like the quick deal of, you know, they moved the headstones, but they didn't move the graves type of deal. And so it was like everybody stayed away. But as more and more settlers came, more and more people weren't aware of these myths, aware of these ghost story type deals. They end up settling what is too close to this sacred slash damned, you know, field area. Uh, And you end up having the two point of view characters for the most. And you get their first names, not their last, but it's Cortland and Molly. And they're a couple and they're there. And old Molly's out picking the daisies. She's picking flowers, daffodils. She's sunflower, whatever it is. She ends up wandering off and ends up going past where there is a marker to not go past this area marked with pretty much the whole you know, null symbol deal, venom carnage deal. So she ends up walking past. She disappears. So you end up having Cortland. He goes to gather up the troops saying, hey, everybody, let's go. Let's go find Molly. You know, Molly, everybody loves her. You all said, and you know, I love her especially. So let's go get her. I think that she might have been taken by the others, which we find out then are pretty much you know, symbiote worshiping cannibal type deal, and nobody wants to go. And, and again, if I want to be reminded of something, it's like the prequels. Anakin has come back and said, Shmi has been taken by the Sand People. Please, let's go get her. And you have pretty much his stepfather say, She's dead. And if I go, I'm going to have to use my rocket wheelchair, my rocket chair that I just got. That's pretty fancy. I don't want to get it near the sand people. Anakin goes and does find Shmi alive, just as Cortland does. He goes and he ends up being attacked by what is a Native American, what they say. And it's one thing where the art doesn't play out as much, but it is said. So I'll give it credit there where he is wearing human skin, human skin with a venom symbol on a little change deal uh, and seems to be a cannibal as he tries to just eat Cortland's forehead. And I'm not a cannibal. But I'm a guy who likes to eat, right? I like to eat food. If I'm going to be a cannibal, though, if I'm going to put my feet in the shoes of a cannibal and I end up attacking a guy either to kill or to eat, I'm not biting his forehead. I never thought of a forehead 
as being anything of a tasty treat. I think maybe the neck, especially if you're trying to kill, maybe the buttocks. There's always good meat there, right? Uh, stuff like that. Not not the forehead. I don't get it. He also has the swirl that we all know and love on his forehead himself. The Native American as he attacks has blood smeared all over him. But as this is going on in Cortland's attack, the guy ends up getting hit in the back and it's Molly. And when this first shows up, when Molly first shows up and hits this cannibalistic, insane, uh, you know, Native American deal, I ended up thinking that she was changed as well. I ended up thinking that maybe she was a, you know, a carnage type deal herself. She is not, but she does end up helping Cortland saying, are you okay? You know, I, he, he made the mincemeat of your forehead, which I wanted to say that's pretty odd. Not a lot of meat there. Um, but, hey, let's get out of here. Thank you for saving me. These people are crazy. We got to go. The others are as insane as we think. They came from that cave, but let's not get anywhere near there. Let's leave. Cortland just wants to end it here. And he wants to end it once and for all. I don't know why he's going to go full out because he doesn't know the lay of the land inside this cave. There could be one guy. There could be a thousand. He didn't ask Molly. Like, you see anybody coming out? A lot of people there. Like, you think I could take them? Am I big enough? You know, these small guys, gals. And she she even says, don't go in there. Please don't do this. And he's like, no, no, no. We, I got to end this. I don't. And it's again, it's, this is a horror tinge comic here. And he's going to go and you see again, the squirrels all around the cave entrance. He gives Molly a gun and says, you hold this gun. Anybody comes out but me, you shoot them. If I don't come out in a while, you just leave. You leave me be uh, because I'll probably be dead. But I want to end this. And, you know, because the villagers were so nice, he wants to help them. But he goes in and, again, as a horror comic and as a deal with the art or whatever, I really like the art in this. I really like even the tension of him going down into this cave. It would be what you'd expect. He goes in, finds a lot of human bones as he's going there, which then lead to one with a pilgrim hat on. He ends up with a wall. And there you have it. He sees cave paintings. You see the swirl with two venoms on either side and in the middle what he says man what's that going on in the middle that looks like a god and then you even see that there's even paintings of a venomized symbiote bear cow elk maybe a deer uh things like that so it's kind of a neat idea of how you see even in this painting how the symbiote is spreading how it is going and it's taking over. And just to remember, this is in the grounds area where they'll eventually make the Ravencroft Institute too. So he ends up seeing this and then turns around. And now you see a lot of people ready to kill him. A lot of cannibal, you know, symbiotic, venomized, um, worshiping null deal, you know, sitting there waiting to attack. He attacks them. He ends up saying, come and get it. I, I don't know why he wants to taunt them like that. And hopefully they, don't go after his forehead, all of them, because there's not a lot of meat there. I don't know why they go. Yeah, you hear the screaming, and you do end up having Molly there, and Cortland comes out. He has the old null symbol in his eyes. She says, uh, Cortland, are you okay? And then just runs, gets on the horse and runs, gets back to town first. And they're like, oh, Molly, Molly, thank God you're alive. Thank the Lord. She's like, no, it's it's Cortland. They're like, where where is he? It's weird. He He's there. It's not really him. Please help. And he does end up walking into the town. And it's one of those where it is a very, not jarring scene, but as a sort of horror deal because people come up to him. Man, Cortland, you look like crap. What's going on? 
and he has a musket and he just he doesn't even look it's no look pass here you know it's patrick mahomes with a gun with the no look boom right in the guy's face dead and goes and keeps doing this stabbing people shooting people you see he leaves a trail of dead as he's going before he ends up being shot down but as he's doing this this is something that especially with the prequels to absolute carnage that we saw is the idea he shoots a guy god's coming stabs somebody god is coming and keeps saying this as he goes through the town they end up shooting him that puts him down doesn't kill him and they end up putting him in pretty much a very in my mind just a it was an outhouse that they end up repurposing as a let's get this crazy guy locked up but in the deal saying this was the first of the country, the first facility for the criminally insane facility being we're locking you up and you're not getting out because you're crazy. Uh, but it's a pretty cool deal. Well, now here we go with the M. Night Shyamalan. We're going to get M. Night Shyamalan twist here. Almost like I don't know if everybody here, this might go over a lot of people's heads. But if you remember Paul Harvey, he is a fella that had a radio show. And what he would do is tell you a story about somebody and then at the end it would be like you know and this guy did this and this guy did that and that my friends was brandon murray and then you'd oh my goodness brandon and and it's kind of like the deal here it's an m night Shyamalan paul paul harvey twist at the end with the and that guy who ended up being locked up his name was Cortland cassidy and you're like cassidy oh my there's the twist and molly Molly Ravencroft. Oh, it really is like, okay, well, there you go. Well, she comes. And and the the weird thing about it is at this point, we are at page, say, 25. We're a little more than what a standard issue would be. Um, It's to me, as this continues on, it feels like a little padding and not just padding, but Now we're going to get a weird team that kind of comes about and we're going to get some people interacting. And to me, this is it's a little too much. And maybe just to get that four ninety nine price point, you have to add those four or five extra pages, because really all you have to do is tighten this up a little and end with the idea of. And then we locked up that first prisoner in what became Ravencroft Institute. And that man was Cortland Cassidy and his love of his life was Molly Ravencroft, and I thought that was big. Like, that's okay. You give him the connectivity, again, going back to Star Wars, and this is like, oh, my, Anakin, he he built C-3PO? That's a bunch of nonsense, but I'll go with it. And so you end up having a Cassidy being the first guy there and, you know, Molly Ravencroft being involved. But you do continue, and you do continue on a point where maybe it gets a little bit too much. Maybe it gets a little bit too along the lines of, why did you have to do that? Because Molly Ravencroft goes then to visit Cortland Cassidy because she still loves him, even though he's insane, even though he's trying to eat people's foreheads. And he ends up killing her. She ends up getting in. He escapes. But as he escapes, he grabs her. And in the cell then is her dead body with God is coming all over the walls in what you would think is her blood. And yeah, that might be a little too much. It may be. Though it is a horror comic, I, you know, I'm not that, uh, you know, opposed to gore and things, but I don't know the story. It just, it just ends up feeling like a little too much though. When you end up having Cortland Cassidy go off and living with the others, then as one of them, that's okay. And it even says he went to live with the others. 
he lived out the rest of his days waiting for God to come. And yeah, you're good. Well, then you go back to the present. And yeah, you kind of have to go back to the present because that book and things like that. And that's that's the story. But at that point, the, the book's laying on the ground. So I don't know about that. It's just lying there. Okay, well, why is it lying there now? It seemed like we were reading it. But you end up Fisk picking it up and saying, yeah, I think I'll take this. Misty says, no, no, no. I'm going to take it because it, it probably has a lot of stuff that we don't need somebody who may be the mayor now, but is a pretty bad guy. We don't want you getting it. And it's one of those like, me first, boss, me first. They're grabbing it, whoop, 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 grabbing it off. And then it just gets grabbed because Reed Richards shows up. And yeah, you had a lot of these people involved individually in different things in the absolute carnage, things like that. But you, you now what appears to be a group going together of Reed Richards, Kingpin, Misty Knight, and John Jameson Manwolf. That is a very odd team. And Mr. Fantastic really feels odd here in my mind. Now, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe it's something where, you know, somebody read something else or you're like, oh, no, because this connection is before this and that. I mean, you got the John Jameson connection a bit. But other than that, it's just Reed Richards shows up and I'll take that. And then Fist says, no, 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 I'll take it back. And then you have this guy come. He's, he ends up being the guy, uh, the guy who cried uh, transitions to the next part of the story is what he cries. He's, hey, hey, boss, Kingpin, we got this book. All right, let's 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 look at that. Hey, hey, we just uncovered a stairwell that we don't know where it goes. All right, let's go. And they go down there, uh, you know, mainly our main characters here. And they go down into what is the depths of a hidden staircase in Ravencroft Institute, which then opens up into an entire other facility underneath. And you end with Reed saying, fascinating. He's a man of science. And you end up with Misty Knight saying, and by the looks of it, a pretty damned horrific one at that. And I'm looking, I'm like, all right, I, I see a bed. I see a curtain. Looks a little shabby. And I, you have to see what she's going to see, which we'll probably see because it says to be continued in the ruins of Ravencroft Sabretooth. So we'll see where that's going. Uh, with the story here, it, it, I don't think it's necessary. It, it's it's if you like horror comics, I think it is uh, a neat little deal. I think it's played out. I think Frank Thierry writes it well. I like the tension of the story. I like the reveal of the you know the Cassidy, Cortland Cassidy, and Molly Ravencroft. I do like all of that. I like the flashback a lot. I like the beginning when Kingpin shows up and is kind of like, hey, Misty. Let's see what's going on. But John, he's kind of on my side. You do have John saying, I had to do do this deal. I really want my job back. I got bills to pay. And he was upset because he ended up, you know, destroying Ravencroft, helping with that absolute carnage deal. So this kind of, in my mind, gives him a little retribution or maybe an attempt to kind of make things right if it went that way. I like that. But once we pull out of that flashback and go into this, Hey, here's Reed. Here's this book. Give me the book. No, you give me that. No, no, I want it. And then you end up with a staircase. The things happen really quick, a little too quick in my mind. And also, like I said, it just seems odd, these people together. And it's just like, oh, well, the ruins of Ravencroft has brought them together. That's not really enough for me to say that I like that team. But overall, I actually liked it. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 of just if you were already getting it. I'm not giving it the 8 out of 10 saying it doesn't matter what kind of fan you are. You got to read this. I just kind of read it for, you know, tonight to record. I probably wouldn't have picked this off the shelf if I was just in the comic book store. 
But reading it, I was not upset by it. I actually liked it. I actually had not fun, but had a nice little horror type deal. It's something that's not my cup of tea, but I like a lot of it if it's well done. I think this is well done. I think that it's well served that if you are interested in something like that, pick it up and check it out. But I'm going to move on to the Ruins of Ravencroft Sabretooth number one now. All right. And indeed, this is the Ruins of Ravencroft Sabretooth number one. And there's just a slight difference in the creative team here as we jump into the, but it is written by Frank Thierry, a modern day art by Angel Unzueta, flashback art by Guillermo Sana, colors by Rachel Rosenberg, and letters by VC's Travis Lanham. And there is more of a recap page here. And the recap might have been even better served a little bit last issue because what it's recapping are some things that weren't really spelled out fully in last issue. Though I can see they're waiting for this one to reveal some of these things. But I would have liked to know, not that it doesn't, it doesn't really matter because I'm reading these together. So as we go, but it's something if you read the last issue and you you just heard me talk about it saying, why why read Richards here? This seems odd. This spells out why. He has an interest in that, and I would have liked that. Maybe I forgot about it. Maybe there's something that I was missing pre-Ruins of Ravencroft that spelled out, but there's a couple of things that are odd here, and I would have liked to have known last issue. But after the events of Absolute Carnage, the Ravencroft Institute for the Criminally Insane was decimated, but reconstruction efforts are already underway, thanks to a donation from Reed Richards and the Fantastic Four. There you go. Richards is not alone in his interest in the facility as Mayor Fisk, also has taken an active role in restoring Ravencroft to its former glory. Though the cause of his interest remains a mystery, there is points throughout all this where Misty Knight kind of seems to be like, hey, what's going on here? Like, why do you seem to know this? And it seems like you were here before, and that's odd, but we'll see. Really, with this issue showing you, all bets are off about any sort of characters. Not Everybody's involved, and they're involved in crazy ways. One of my disappointments of this issue is because of that, but I'll give him that once I've done this. Regardless of his intent, Fisk has brokered a deal with John Jameson, decorated serviceman, son of J. Jonah Jameson, secretly the monstrous man-wolf. In exchange for supplying Fisk with information about Ravencroft's day-to-day operations, Jameson won't be arrested or tried for crimes committed as his lycanthropic alter ego. And I kind of was led to believe that he was just going to be given a job. Uh, but maybe I again, maybe that kind of went over my head. But yeah, now it just is. Hey, you help out by just telling me what's going down here. You know, the man wolf, he walks free, which means you walk free as well. But John and Fisk aren't the only ones with secrets. There's more to Ravencroft itself than anyone in the Marvel Universe knew, including a long abandoned subterranean research wing of the hospital replete with horrors unseen for decades and that's where we are that's where we left last issue that's where misty knight's like oh my god look at these monstrosities well we see she seems to be more talking about experiments severed limbs heads and bottles classics you know classic horror stuff classic you know pretty much old school horror things you even have you know electrodes and skulls and things like that and you even have What is a crazy deal of these big giant tubes connected to, uh, you know, almost like a Tesla coil type deal. And zombie Kree as Guardian, they're just labeled pretty neat. The, The whole thing is pretty neat. I love this sort of thing. Reed ends up saying, like, this is the most unusual and varied bunch of, you know, subjects here. 
that I would I have seen in one place, especially in the timing of this. But it does seem that they're all well preserved. Everything seems great here. And it's funny, too, because as you look at this and because it's an old deal, you do think like, boy, it's odd. They have a scroll head. And oh, my, they have a Molnoid. They have a werewolf. They have the Wendigo. Yeah, all these things. But these are pretty much characters and monsters and things that all of these characters here have seen many, many times. So the idea, though, it seems weird they're in this whole lab underneath Ravencroft Institute. But to them, in my mind, they're just like, oh, well, that stuff was around then. Yeah, that makes sense. But they do end up Fist saying, I wonder whose lab this was. And Misty Knight says, right, hey, I found this picture. Maybe it's his. It is a Dr. Essex. You end up having... Reed, just looking at this picture, huh, that chap seems familiar. It's it's sinister. It's Mr. Sinister. So this is going to be the start of what, to me, can get a little overwhelming in this issue. Uh, you end up that first issue being a pretty cool deal of horror comic stuff and kind of like the, the slow burn even of a horror comic. You're getting an origin. It deals with... You know, some things going wrong, some people being treated poorly, the whole deal with the swirl, you end up having a cult. All that stuff really plays out well as a horror comic. This one is more of an action horror comic in my mind, but it's also very, very much tied down even by the idea that it seems like Frank Thierry needs to get every three panels he's made to throw in a character that you see stuff like. Stephen Rogers, the Revolutionary War Captain America, end up having a what is awesome, a spirit of vengeance being the Headless Horseman. But even continuing from that with mentions of Mephisto, then you end up having Tyrannus. Then you, it, it gets, uh, like I said, a little overwhelming for somebody like me, especially because when these things pop up, a lot of times I'm not getting the wow factor of a, oh my God, they went there with Stephen Rogers, the the Revolutionary War Captain America I'm there like really there was that I go and look again I we just started this deal I wouldn't never have witnessed this so I go and so I am every page looking things up and that's cool and I enjoy doing that but the pacing is thrown off by something like that for me because of the idea that I could just let it all go and not care and go that that's one thing but I like to see what's going on I like to see the connections and really the connections are these characters were here. Isn't that neat in my mind? But you end up where things end up from where we left with the whole Cassidy, Cortland Cassidy and the others and the cult of the squirrel, of the carnage, of the null thing going down there. Uh, they kind of ended up dying out. It does say in this narration, yes, it was Cortland Cassidy, the first patient of Ravencroft Institute, but not the last. And now we're going to get pretty much a background of the awfulness that ends up the death the horrors that happen on this plot of land that ends up becoming ravencroft institute including one of the last battles of the revolutionary war where stephen rogers the revolutionary war captain america gets killed and a lot of other heroes die in that deal then you end up going into 1804, and you're going down the line. You know, that ends up st- starting 1783. You end up Revolutionary War deal at the end. Then you end up having, and it's one of those, the battles continuing on uh, past the deal. Uh, but you end up 1804. Now it gets very, you know, 
mythical type deal of the the rise of the spirit cult of Shuma Garath. And you end up having the Cthulhu monster that is Shuma Garath come. You end up having people worship him. All this is happening on this grounds. And this is where I start looking things up, especially because, okay, you mentioned the Shuma Garath. It's in capitals. It's bold. That must mean something. So I go, and yeah, it's a character that ends up going against Doctor Strange at points, but end up being introduced in Journey into Mystery Volume 2, number one. And so I'm like, okay, then you end up seeing the Headless Horseman as the spirit of vengeance. Awesome. That's so cool. And Headless Horseman, he was in Supernatural Thrillers, Volume 1, number six. Then you have Tyrannus and those Tyrannoids who come. And you, you have these characters and things that are legit. And they're there. Again, it, it kind of, to me, gets overwhelmed by the idea of, this guy, that guy. Oh, my God. Did you see that? Did you see this? Did you see that? You even see the scrolls end up landing there and impersonate Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, but, yeah, as you're going through this, then you see all these connections. But now we're going to see the, the meat of the background deal of Jonas Ravencroft ends up getting the land and ends up building Ravencroft Institute. Pretty much as we know, uh, he builds it in memory of his ancestor molly who we had in the first issue got killed by the ancestor of cletus cassidy uh so you end up having that but all wasn't well as it was built because this is again a cursed area cursed place and you had protests people were yelling and yeah they're yelling we don't want the crazies here take your criminally insane somewhere else we don't need this what's going to happen somebody's going to escape and then eat our children you know all that sort of thing but then you have like and then the, the the place accidentally caught on fire. It's like, I'm a good-looking man. It's not true. I, I do not have proper hygiene. But you end up with the institute being set on fire. But then things get even wackier where you do have a worker who ends up claiming that Mephisto talked to him. He whispered in his ear and told him, hey, you see your foreman over there? Hit him in the head and cave in his head with a hammer. All right. Mephisto says, and I do. And he goes and does that. So you end up having pretty much this cursed deal of this institute even before it was fully built. Finally, it is built officially there. And that's where we go to 1909, where you end up having some of the first patients coming in. You're going to get the institute up and running. Well, the first patient is Sir Percy of Scandia. It's Black Knight who shows up yelling, Morgan Le Fay sent me here for nefarious reasons and I need to get back. Arthur, a pen dragon, listen to me. I'm yelling stuff and I need my sword. And so the get, like I said, a little overwhelming as it goes because you end up having Jonas with Mr. Sinister, Dr. Essex, and then another lady, Claudia, kind of going there and trying to stop him. They have him in a straight jacket because he's going, you know, pretty much freaking out. And Claudia says, well, no, what about an experiment? Why don't we give him back his sword? That sword he has. Maybe we'll see what's going on. Or maybe he's not lying. Maybe, the, you know, I've seen some crazy stuff. And maybe he is somebody from the past come to the future by Morgan Le Fay. Maybe he is the Black Knight. And you end up having Dr. Essex and Jonas Ravencroft say, pish posh, there's no way, you know, really act act like an adult here. We're not making up stories here. And so you end up having Jonas in his head thinking to himself, you know what, Dr. Essex, he's right, you know. He he ends up like, I, I agree with him. I don't think this is really the Black Knight, but there's something about this guy that's starting to creep me out. And as you have 
Dr. Essex walk away. If you weren't sure that that was Mr. Sinister, you're going to get a classic and a classic trope to me of these older kind of feeling, but the older horror comics where you end up where he walks in his, he ends up pretty having a Mr. Sinister shadow there that you're not, but that's, you know, wink, wink. There you go. And yeah, he ends up, he makes me uncomfortable. Well, we see that he's the one having these experiments down below. And these experiments involve having a helper named Victor, Victor Creed. So there's the saber tooth deal. And he has brought in a patient that he thinks is the modern day New York City version of Jack the Ripper. And he's brought it in and you do get to see a Daily Bugle headline, you know, the Knickerbocker Knifer. It's our version of the whole Jack the Ripper. Let's go. And you're if you don't know right away who this is that, you know, you end up having Sabretooth and Mr. Sinister really wanting to dig into, it is Logan. It's Wolverine. And yeah, it kind of makes sense that Sabretooth would think that maybe this is the Knickerbocker Knifer. I mean, he does have claws that come out. So, yeah, that makes sense. All right. Ends up being very personal for Victor, who wants to pretty much torture and kill Logan. Uh, Mr. Sinister says, you're not going to do that. Only I get to kill and maim and torture. That's my thing. And Victor says, all right, I'm down with that. I just want to see this guy suffer. And really, you kind of can come up with a lot better things. You have more of an imagination than me. So go at it. Do what you will. And this guy, it already seems like Logan has a lobotomy. But then they cut off his arm. They end up strapping him down. You do have Claudia, this other doctor, the female doctor, come down as everybody leaves. Mr. Sinister seems to go on his way. They're just going to kind of look. And you get the idea also that Mr. Sinister, Mr. Dr. Essex, already is aware of the regenerative thing with Wolverine. So he's going to cut off the arm. And that's the experiment. Let's come back next day and see if the arms are back. Uh, Well, while this is happening, Victor goes away, it seems. And you have Claudia. The doctor come down and say, I'm really sorry. I'm going to take you out of here. You know, you're not the Knickerbocker knifer. I know this for a fact, and I don't think it's fair. I can't look the other way. I have been, but I can't anymore. Can't let these experiments go on. I don't care what happens to me. If Dr. Essex gets mad, so be it. I cannot. My conscience won't let me do this. I can't sleep at night. So she ends up unstrapping Logan kind of grabs him like a backpack and starts taking him out there. And even at that point, he's kind of walking by himself even. And that's where you have Victor show up and say, oh, no, you know, you better stop because you're not going anywhere with this guy. I am now going to kill him and I'm going to kill you. And we do have a weird battle. It's, It's kind of if you think about it, it's a battle obviously taking place in the past. You end up having Victor being kind of like a nurse. You end up having Wolverine, who has a lobotomy and he's missing an arm. I mean, it, it, they're all kind of a different deal. Wolverine still gets Sabretooth right under the chin with his other arm with the claws. He, he only has one arm cut off, so he can do that. So you end up just slice right through the chin up into the head. He falls back, obviously. I mean, that, that kind of hurts. Uh, with that, Logan falls because he's not all himself, though he is regenerating. Then you have Sabretooth who jumps up and says, he isn't the only one who can regenerate. Now I'm really going to kill you, and I'm going to kill Logan. Now out of the craziness, this Claudia, she turns into the werewolves. You know, So now she's a werewolf. She attacks Sabretooth, 
And she ends up then being knocked out with a shot from behind from Dr. Essex, from Mr. Sinister, where we get the idea that that corpse at the beginning, probably her, all these things kind of tie in. But also the idea that now Mr. Sinister and and Victor kind of think it's cool to have a knocked out werewolf because now we can dissect it and see what makes that tick. Uh, While that's going on, you end up going up to a, a Ravencroft, the Jonas Ravencroft, where the next day he gets a note that Claudia, she's leaving town. She's not only that, she's leaving the country. She's going back to Romania, where she's from. Kind of ties in a little to the whole werewolf deal. Uh, and that she just wants to do this. It's something she's talked about before. You have Jonas even say, yes, she's talked about it before. This makes sense. It's her handwriting. It's all that, her words. It, it feels like her doing it. But something's off. I don't trust it. I think Essex is involved. I do not want this to continue. I'm going to stop letting him have free reign for the whole deal. You kind of get the idea that then they would have sealed it up. We'll probably see next issue that they ended up sealing up this whole laboratory. Uh, But you can seal up the laboratory. You can move the headstones again, but you, you didn't move the graves because we go back to the present and you do end up then having that whole attack from below that you had those hands coming through the floor where our characters were. And we see now that they are legitimately vampires, vampires of all sorts of monsters. This is one of those where like you might have a werewolf in the story, but now you have a werewolf vampire. Everything's been turned to vampires. You even have like a tentacled type, almost like a, uh, excuse me, like a, a squid vampire. It's, Cool things. They're, they're pretty horrendous. And it gets back to the horror deal. But again, it's more of a action horror because now we have all the characters going. And you do have John Jameson who steps up and says, listen, there's only one way to fight a monster with, a, with another monster. He turns in the man wolf. He attacks. They're going to town. You have a weird deal where Misty Knight throughout all this even just says to uh, Fisk through this. I look like you saw a monster. Maybe the monster saw you. I'm like, I'm not getting this. I'm not got like, we're going to have something. But I, it's odd. But yeah, you see our, our characters. I, I keep wanting to say heroes. I can't really say heroes. They're, they're fighting. They're fighting these things off. They do end up getting out of this room. And then again, remember, it was this huge, giant steel door. They do end up with a lot of effort closing the door and closing these monstrosities inside the unwanted cell it says over top Uh, and then that's where you get the crap talk like i said you end up with them closing it you have misty like that was intense and then says to fisk i know you agree with me fisk i saw your face you look like you saw a ghost in there or maybe the ghost saw you and you have this like If you aim to make an accusation, Miss Knight, I suggest you do so. Otherwise, I'd encourage you to choose your words more carefully. After all, the mayor would be a powerful enemy to be continued. And it's going to continue to next week, Ruins of Ravencroft Dracula. It's just odd, this little thing that keeps being thrown in there with Fisk and the idea that he knows what's going on. He's been down there, but we'll see how it ties in. Maybe it'll make a lot of sense. Uh, Yeah, like I said, the whole idea... A bit overwhelming with all of the guest stars, all of the Easter eggs, all these things just piling on top, leaving a bit of the horror 
deal behind. Yes, there's monsters in here. Yes, there's an evil doctor. There's experiments. You have werewolf, vampires, all these things. But not like the first issue. Not as horror as the first issue. Even where the flashbacks, while cool, seeing things like the Spirit of Vengeance uh, Headless Horseman. Awesome. I, I just, I really do love that. But they were more action scenes. You ended up seeing Steven Rogers. You ended up like all these things, scrolls landing. These are less horror than the first deal. Still is kind of in that realm, just getting a little away from that. And with Dracula next issue, I'm hoping you get back to more of a horror element, more of a let's tell this story in a, a pacing and a horror type way then let's just throw characters in and out and in and out. It almost becomes, you know, the dark history of the Marvel Universe, which some might like. I'm not here for that, really, though I like, you know, seeing things and going, oh, that's cool, but I'm more for the monsters. I'm more here for the horror part of it, especially because you even lose kind of sight in this one of the whole Ravencroft deal. You're more involved with, oh, that's that, and that's this, and that's, oh, vampires, oh, this. And uh, so I hope it gets back to that. I still liked it. Uh, I'm going to give it a 7, though, a 7 out of 10. So I went down from an 8 in the first one to a 7. I hope this isn't a trend. I hope that we don't keep going down. And the, the thing that I usually do when I do talk about these issues, especially something like this that may have stuff that is going over my head or may have stuff that's just it's not my cup of tea, not my interest, really, and so maybe the wow factor is not there. So I like to go over to the comic book roundup and see where the scores lie as opposed to what I think. Uh, so I gave the first issue, the Carnage one, an eight. I'm giving this one, the Sabretooth one, a seven. And it, it kind of a little bit different than that. It seems like more people are coming in with this whole Sabretooth one, liking it more than the first Carnage one. Now, I think that's also because you end up having Wolverine in it. You have Sabretooth. And I will tell you right now, you look at the cover of this, it's misleading. You're not getting what this cover is saying. Uh, so if you go and see that, I'm like, oh, man, that cover looks awesome. I'm grab it. You might be a little disappointed. But I also not just look at scores, but I look at the scores from my fellow reviewers on the Weird Science Marvel comics. And you end up with the Ruins of Ravencroft Carnage number one, Wolf Cipher. He gave it an 8.1, so very similar to what I had. And he ends up saying, in this, absolute carnage has ended, but the damage has been done. And we're seeing a handful of books, Venom, Scream, Ruins of Ravencroft, experiencing the reverb of Carnage's action. It's a great post-absolute carnage story, and I wonder if the following issues will reveal an even greater detail effect of the histories and mysteries of Ravencroft might have on the other areas of the Marvel Universe, beyond just carnage and all. And then, really, I would think that he'd be happy, because it does show that. So, But he gave an 8.1, I give an 8. I think that we may like it for little different reasons, but I think that we're right on board. And then you end up going to the Ruins of Ravencroft Sabretooth number one review. And that was done by my man Brett. And he ends up giving it a 7.9. He liked it a little more than me. Um, but again, I, I like his blurb. I like the way he ends up spelling it out, saying that the Ravencroft issues were released. Maybe if they were released a little earlier in October, say they would have been perfect. I do agree with that. That's something that I didn't bring up, but I would agree. That if you ended up having it right after the absolute carnage, you would have hit harder. Plus, you'd end up having it, you know, with Halloween. And so he ends up saying, if you want a monstrously inventive tale that portrays similar tones of late 19th century hard fiction, then you come to the right place. Give this issue a shot. But don't let the cover, you know, to give your expectations. Don't get too high because 
the name with Sabretooth and the whole idea of that cover, a little misleading, but it's still good. And I think they are worth a look if you like the horror deal. I said most of what I said in the first issue at the end kind of plays out the same here. So I will not bog you down with that, but that's it. That is the podcast, kind of a themed Ravencroft podcast. I don't know how that is going to play out well. Don't know how that's going to work out in middle America, right? Hey, uh, but I hope that you guys enjoyed it. I hope maybe if you didn't check these out, I may have inspired you to at least check out the first Carnage one to see if you are on board with it. But yeah, I'll probably continue with this. I'll probably continue it with my deal because I don't think Brandon has any interest in following these. So the next one will be Dracula. Hope he, hoping it gets back to more of a horror, horror deal. We'll see. But thanks, everybody, for listening. Again, I will repeat what I say at the beginning. If you want to go find us on Twitter and follow us, we'll follow you back at WS Marvel Comics. We have a website, WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com, where we review almost every issue each week, dropping the reviews mostly on Wednesday. And we have a Patreon if you want to support us for this podcast, the other DC podcast that you may or may not listen to, but it'd be nice if you would. Uh, and also get a lot of other shows, usually over 30 other episodes. If you go all the levels, up to 30 extra episodes a month. There's a lot. And, you know, you can go and check that out. And if you do, you end up signing up now. No, it is the kind of the middle of the month. You won't be charged right away. You won't be charged later at the end of the month going into February. If you don't like what you hear. Before then, you can quit, never be charged. So it's a free trial. Check it out. That's all we ask. But that's it. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. And I'll talk to you in a couple days.